to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. Let's pray. Let's release our faith. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for illuminating our mind, giving direction to our spirits today. Lord, thank you today that as we feed upon your word, Lord, that our spirit man is nourished up and we become stronger and we become more victorious in life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I want to just say this. You know, a lot of times people think, well, you know, the trial was so difficult. Um, And we all go through trials, but sometimes it's not the fact that the trial was so difficult, but the faith was so little. The same trial can come to someone else, but it not affect them in the same way. It's because their faith has been undergirded and nourished up. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4 that um, we should be nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. So as we feed upon God's word, it nourishes us up. It builds us up. Just like bread and potatoes and, and any steak, any kind of food is to your outer man, the word of God is to the inward man. And so as you feed upon it, as you read it, even if you're reading the begats and you're reading the, (laughs) when you're reading those things, what's happening? Faith is coming into you and and you'll need that. You're going to need that because the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 14, and this is not my message, it's just the the intro to the intro. (laughs) (laughs) The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain in trouble, but a weak and wounded spirit who can raise up and bear. So what's going to get you through hard times? A strong spirit. What's going to get you through difficult times? Maybe problems in your marriage, problems in your uh, finances, problems on the job, a strong spirit. But what if you don't feed your spirit? You know, what if, what if you don't feed your, your inward man? He's now, see, you, you don't die, but you just get weaker and weaker and weaker. And what happens is the voice of your spirit gets weaker too. And what happens is by default, your, the voice of the flesh gets stronger. And so what we want to do is starve the flesh and feed the spirit. Amen. Amen. Your spirit man can get so strong that, that, that whenever your flesh says, hey, I want to do this, no. Oh, I just thought I would ask, you know. But you can, you can actually intimidate your flesh if you build, but that's only if you have a strong spirit. So never look at a service as like insignificant or anything like that. Always value what God's word says and hold on to it because that's what's going to feed you in the days to come. Galatians chapter 3, did you find that? Okay. Verse 9, so, with, or so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the law or under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law. How many understand what the law? The law is the first five books of the Bible. How, how many know that you, that doesn't make you right with God just by keeping the law? Right. In fact, the Bible says if you, you keep all the points of the law except one, you're guilty of all of them. Yeah. Amen. And so he goes on to say here, 
but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. Say this, I am just and I live by faith. And the law is not of faith. Oh, I'm just reading the verse, sorry. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. Verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing, everyone say the blessing. blessing. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, but don't stop there. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. One of the great truths of the new covenant in the New Testament is the fact that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. The word actually redeemed means to be bought back. We see that, you know, it talks about um, slaves, the redemption, they're being redeemed. There's a price that was paid. Well, how many know that there was a price that was paid for our sin? There was a price that was paid for our sicknesses, that we could be healed. There was a price paid that all of our needs could be met, no matter what they are. Why? Because we're redeemed. So I want to take a few, mil- a few minutes here to talk about redeemed from the curse of the law. Redeemed from the curse of the law. We are bought back. Paid with a terrible price. The price that, that, that only Jesus could pay. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, a lot of times people think, well, you know, what difference does it make what I do in my body? Because he bought and paid for it. The Bible says in in Romans 12, I beseech you. That, That word beseech, I mean, I don't usually use that on a Monday through Friday basis. But it means to beg. I beg you. I I implore of you. Present your body a living sacrifice. Why? Because the the flesh, if you let your flesh go, it will go the way of the world. It will go the... The flesh in its nature will, will lead towards sin if you don't keep it under. And so the Bible says that keep under your body, but you have to present your body. Why? Because your spirit already belongs to him. Once you're born again, that'd be like me um, taking John's coat. He doesn't have a coat on, but be like taking this coat off. Say, John, I'm going to present this to you. Well, I can't present it to him because it already belongs to him. (laughs) But you can present your body to him as a living sacrifice. What does it say? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service which is your spiritual worship of the translation say. So part of our sanctification is presenting our bodies. But like we say sometimes, the problem with the living sacrifice is sometimes it wants to crawl off the altar. You know, when you, when you slay those animals, they're going nowhere. But when it's laying there, just like Abraham and Isaac, and what Abraham say, 
God will provide. And he was, gonna, he was on there as a living sacrifice, but thank God that God sent the ram. And so we are bought with a price. You know, what's amazing is I belong to him twice over. I belong to him by reason of creation. But also, he bought me back. God's own creation, he bought and paid for. Isn't that amazing that he had to buy and pay back and give the price for all that would freely come? And so that's why, you know, people say, well, you know, if whoever's going to be saved is going to be saved and, and, uh, you know, predestination. But that's why the Bible says, whosoever will, let him come. And so you have to make the decision to receive. But he bought and paid for our spirit, our soul. The Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him and our body. And thankfully, one day, you know, the Bible says that we've received the earnest of the spirit, the earnest of our inheritance. What does earnest mean? Who's ever heard of earnest money? Down payment. Layaway. (laughs) You know, there's a down payment on what's to come. Well, I want you to know that right now we have the first fruits of our inheritance, but one day we're going to receive the full redemption of our body. What does that mean? There won't be any more Kleenex, no sickness, no disease, no aging. Who's excited about that? Three of you. Amen. No more death, no more dying, no more funerals, no more hearses, no more clinics. Three quarters of the jobs in this world would be gone automatically. Amen. Because we won't need those things. And and so what's going to happen is the trumpet's going to sound. I was thinking about this yesterday. The trumpet's going to sound. And what's going to happen? It said in a a moment, the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. And it said we shall not prevent those that are asleep. So what's that mean? We're not going to go ahead. We're not going to stop those that are in the grave. What's going to happen is their spirit which is in heaven now, they're born again, their spirit is there, is going to be reunited with their body like that. I don't care if, if their, their body has decomposed. I don't care if their body, the molecules are spread across the four corners of the earth. I don't care if sharks ate them. It doesn't matter. God knows where every one of those molecules are. He's going to bring them back together. I mean, I've always thought it'd be really nice to be next to a graveyard. When the trumpet sounds. And you know, a lot of times people don't like talking about death, but you need to. Because everyone's going to die. I don't care if you live to be 120, that's not long. And, And there's nothing to be afraid of. The Bible says for me to live as Christ and to die is a little better. Gain. Well, you know, it's a little bit better than here. I mean, no. He said to be, it's far better to be with Christ. Amen. 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 You know, Brother Hagin said that when he pastored uh, his church, he said every church he pastored was what he called a troubled church. And he said one side would be glaring at the other side. And, and, you know, people just in a lot of uh, family feuds and things like that. He said, so one week I'd preach on love, and the next week I'd preach on heaven. He said, because if you can 
start talking about heaven and get people excited about heaven and you can get them loving each other, it works out every, all the problems. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. All right, let's get back to this. So the Bible says that our body is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So that's why we want to present it as a living sacrifice. We commit it to him, and as we commit it to him, the, the Bible says he'll, he'll, he's our healer, and he'll take care of it. But that's why we have to pre- present it a living sacrifice. So the word we said redeem means to purchase and to buy back. Over in the book of, I'm going to turn to uh, Colossians 1. Ephesians uh, actually says the same thing. If you ever read Ephesians and Colossians, they're called the twin epistles because much of the, uh, the language is the same. Colossians 1. And look at verse uh, 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? Who's excited about that? I'm not in the same kingdom I used to be. I mean, whether people know it or not, if they're not born again, the devil is their father. Jesus told religious people, you are of your father, the devil. And, and, you know, they they couldn't understand that. But notice he says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. So what's the basis of our redemption? Our our being um, delivered from the hand of the enemy. It's based upon uh, the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says without shedding of blood. uh, What's that? Hebrews 9.22. Hebrews says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So without blood, without the blood sacrifices we see in the old covenant... There was no remission, or, or actually then it was an atonement. It wasn't a remission. And um, I preached a message one time about three, three big words. We, if you read through the Bible, atonement, remission, and forgiveness. We see atonement in the Old Covenant where it covered sins. In the New Testament, we don't see atonement. We see remission. What does that mean? That'd be like Miss Maggie if she had some chocolate cake and she spilled it on her Bible. Well, hopefully she wouldn't. Okay, let's say her tablecloth. Okay, if she she got her Bible and covered it up, she would be atoning for that. But if she got some some kind of cleaner and just cleaned that thing out, what would happen? It would remit it. Remission of sins. Well, God's not just covering my, my sins with a bandage. God's not just covering up with something, and then other people can see it. No, it's washed away. Amen. It's cleansed. So when the devil comes to say, hey, I remember what you did. I, I plead innocent by the blood. I plead innocent by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You start to, you know, when the devil starts telling you about your, your past, you just remind him of his future. And I don't care what kind of problems you have. None of your problems are Mickey Mouse to his. He's got some real problems. He's losing people every day. 
the Bible says that, that one day there's going to be an angel that comes down in the, in the very near future. He's going to come and, and take the devil, chain him up, throw him in the bottomless pit, shut the door. Ask him, what's he going to do about that? And then, of course, the Bible says that he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. And I'm going to be, I'm not going to shed a tear when he gets his. <laughs> so the Bible says, in whom we have redemption. But we have to ask ourselves this, redeemed from what? Where do we bought back from? Where do we um, redeemed and the price has been paid for? The Bible says the curse of the law. And so what we have to understand, in the old covenant, breaking God's law always had, just like now, when you break the law naturally, there's always something that, that's going to happen and you have to pay a price. So for breaking God's uh, law, it was threefold. Poverty, every time. Sickness, and also spiritual death. Poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. And all of it is a result of spiritual death. So what is spiritual death? Spiritual death is separation from God. Separation from God. You know, one of the things that we have to realize also in the, the Bible talks about three kinds of death. And I'll just real quickly, spiritual death, which means separation. You know, every person before they're born again, they're living in spiritual death. I mean, you don't just say, you know what? Your father's the devil. You don't. I mean, my mom told me that, but um, no, actually she just said, no, she didn't say that. She said, I bind you, devil. But, you know, even, even um, Brother Jesse Duplantis, he said one time he was, he said he was hot. He was just, he was going to say something to his wife and he said, I'll tell you what, woman, you know, if you've ever heard him talk. And uh, he said, thank God she was in a different room, you know, and she, and then all of a sudden he hears this, I bind you, devil. Jesse, you stay right there. He said, he said, well, she bound the devil in me. <laughs> but until we're born again, the Bible says that we're, under the influence of the evil one. And we have to realize that there's only two, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, they believe in the universal brotherhood of man and the eternal fatherhood of God. But Jesus told these religious people, you're your father, the devil. And they were quoting scripture. So don't go to church and and quote scripture and be in death. So uh, spiritual death is separation from God. Physical death is just uh, separation of your spirit and soul from your body. That's, it, that's all it is. Physical death, you lay your body down. And when I live my life out, the Lord Terry, I'm just going to lay my, my body down and I'll come back and pick it up later. <laughs> yep. Amen. You know, Paul said, I'm in a straight betwixt two things and I don't know whether I'm going to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, or if I'm going to stay around and help you guys. And so he had a choice. And so he decided, you know, it's more needful for you. I'm going to stay around for a while. And um, he stayed and helped them. And then set the, the Bible talks about the second death. The second death. And I want to read a, a scripture over in, in Revelation. 
I never get a chance to say this, and I never have said this, so I'm going to say it now. Just because you hear people say it all the time. It's the book of Revelation, not Revelations. So I just thought I'd say that. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that was free. But look at uh, Revelation 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and now that we're, this is in the near future for us. Even if it's a thousand years, it's near. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, in which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. How many know that's, that's what's coming for us? After the rapture of the church, we're going to enjoy, we're going to have a feast and a party. And uh, I mean, faith, food, and fellowship has nothing on this. It's going to be a lot of faith, a lot of food, and a lot of fellowship. Amen. The best fellowship you've ever had. Yes. It says, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such, notice this, the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And then if you keep reading, um, look in verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. You know, there's people that are, that are in hell today that they think that they're just in purgatory because of lies of the church. And I'm not talking about the, the true church of Jesus, but the church world. And so, that, you know, people think that they're, they're in a, late, they're in a um, torment, and I'm just paying, you know, penance right now, and I'm in purgatory, not knowing they'll never get out. And it says that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. But what, what do we know? That we've been redeemed from what? The second death. It says whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I know Wayne and I have a little ongoing uh, joke about this, but you know, it's whether it's a song or whatever it is. But you know, the Bible really never talks about, and I've heard ministers say this before, to, to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Lord, write my name in the, in the Lamb's book of life. But you know, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. The Bible only talks about your name being blotted out. So I believe that people's names from the foundation of the world, that they are written in the book of life. But... If they never receive Jesus, that name can be blotted out. So why, why would you look for it? Well, in case it was blotted out. And so we see this. So we know that we've been redeemed from, from spiritual death and the second death. Hallelujah. That's, 
If I had nothing else in God, that would be enough right there. I'm redeemed from spiritual death. I'm redeemed from the second death. I'm not going to hell. I don't care how much the devil wants me to join in there. I'm not going. John 1, 4 says this. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So we've been redeemed from spiritual death, and what do we have now? We have life. We have life. John 5, 26. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. That word life, now we know that in the New Testament there's four different words for the word life. One of those is the word zoe, which means God quality life. The kind of life that God is. I mean, if the, if the life that God is zapped your body, don't you think you'd be healed? Don't you think you would have a quickening? Yeah. Amen. And so, for as the Father hath life, Zoe, in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have Zoe in himself. And what does that mean? We receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That Zoe, God-quality life, is in us. And we had to learn how to walk in the light of that life. And I, I got a hold of this right when I was born again. Walking in the light of life. Walking in the light. And so what, what does that mean? That means that the life of God is in me. We used to sing a song, I got the life of God in me. I got his life, his nature, and his ability. I got the life of God in me. Yeah, one more time. People look at me like, what are these songs? They, they date back to 1990 and pre. But they were all good worship choruses. And you, you stood there and you had the words on the transparency and, and all that. How many remember when we started River Church? We, we had the transparency yeah. at the hotel. We had the words up there. Yeah. Amen. We, re, we now entered the 21st century. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we have been redeemed. Say this. I have been redeemed. I have been redeemed. From, spiritual death. From spiritual death. So what all is that spiritual death? You know, here's the thing too, is you can have some of that death operating in you, even as a born-again believer. How about guilt? How about shame? Condemnation. Condemnation is a confidence killer. It'll kill your faith. Sin itself, death. And, and here's the thing. Even physical death is an enemy, the Bible says. That's why the Bible recoils at death. If you've ever been with someone at death, their body recoils it. Why? Because the body was not made to die. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says, oh, death, where is our sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Where is your victory? There is no victory. I'm just going to put it down for a little bit, and then I'm going to, I'm going to pick it back up. Amen. And, and this is why our bodies are so important. You know, people say, well, what difference does it make, you know, if, if two consenting adults, you know, want to have fun? It does matter because this body is the body in the temple of the Holy Ghost. You know, the Bible says that our bodies are the eternal members of Christ. The eternal member, this body, pinch yourself right now. Maybe pinch your neighbor. 
That body is the eternal member of Christ. People say, oh, man, I can't wait to get rid of this body. I'm just so tired. No, the Bible teaches it's going to be this body. This body glorified. People get depressed. Oh, man, I don't want to to have the same body. You know, I just, no, just believe me. Whenever God touches this body, see, it's not just like, I mean, the Bible says we have a new name that we're going to have that no one else knows. But it's not like there's an assembly line of bodies and I say, I want that one. I want that one. No, it's going to be this one right here. But God's going to glorify it. So I'm sure he'll shape and sculpt it the way you want it. Amen. Amen. So say this, I've got the life of God in me. Say this, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. Hebrews 9, 12 says this, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. So look at that again. He entered in once by his blood, having obtained an eternal redemption. You know, the Bible says that Jesus went in as our high priest and did that once and for all. What does that mean? He doesn't have to die again. He doesn't have to go pay the price again. You know, certain countries... You know, and I've seen different pictures of different places like the Philippines and different people get up on the cross. And I'm not, I'm, I'm talking about like blood and everything. Wow, they're going to pay for their sins. And you know, you cannot pay for your own sins. Why do people cut themselves? Why do people do these different things to inflict pain on themselves? For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, look at verse 14. How much more? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God? He, he was the only one that could do this. How much more? I could just shout about how much more. How much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience from dead works? Well, you know, I just feel so guilty. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Well, I just feel, I feel dirty. I feel unclean. The Bible says that he purges our conscience from dead works. It means he washes it away. He cleanses it. I have no remembrance of those things anymore. Hallelujah. I can tell you, I memorized these verses many, many years ago. Why? Because I used it against the enemy. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, purge my country from dead works to serve the living God? Amen. Amen. That's why you have to find verses that fit your case. And you might have to say it 50 times a day, 100 times a day. For some people, you know, it might be, I confess my sin. He's faithful just to forgive me of all my sins. I mean, some people, some people have worn their repenter out. 
they've worn their rededicator out. But hey, you just keep confessing those. You keep speaking the word of God over your life. Why? Because it's not going to return void. That means it's going to accomplish that which God pleases. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, one of the things that we talk about being redeemed, one of the things that makes hell, hell is its atmosphere. What makes hell, more than the flames and everything else, is the atmosphere. And you're separated from God. And people, you know, how many movies have you seen? Well, see you in hell. But, you know, the hell is actually a place of... Now, you talk about a place of being socially distanced. If you want social distance, then that's what hell is. You're separated from other people. You don't even know who else is there. You don't even know if your loved ones are there. And you're eternally tormented. But... I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. So if I'm redeemed from spiritual death, why not take the whole package? So I'm redeemed to have full fellowship, no longer estranged from him. Amen. Listen to Colossians chapter 1. Well, at least we have two, two little ones that are excited about the message today. Amen. Colossians 1.19 says, For it pleased the Father that in Him, in Jesus, should all the fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you... See, he's talking about me right now. That were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. So the heart of redemption is actually this word fellowship. The heart of redemption. The heart of the gospel is fellowship. Why has God saved us? Why has God set us free? Why has God called us? For fellowship. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says this, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So before you can answer any other calling in your life, you have to answer this calling. Well, I feel called. Every believer is called. It may look different than, than me or, or vice versa. But if you're born again, you have a call. Amen. You have a ministry of reconciliation, but you also have a call to affect people for um, the kingdom of heaven. Amen. But that's only going to be based upon you having fellowship with God Amen. and you having full fellowship. If you want to uh, do a good study on this, read the book of First John. I think it's around verse three, uh, the first chapter says, "That which we have heard and seen, declare we unto you." You know, you can't tell somebody what you don't know yourself. But he goes on to talk about having fellowship with his son, and that's 
and that fellowship is with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's what the, the whole thing of redemption is. Just like when Jesus, you take Jesus to the front door and knock on that door, like the illustration we had. What is that for? Not just for a code of ethics. Not just for what do you believe. What do you believe? I mean, John has more uh, conversations about what do you believe. And <laughs> with, with people on the job and different things, you know, that, well, I believe this. Well, I believe that, you know. Well, what's the Bible say? And so at least he takes them back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? <clears throat> but the Bible says that we are redeemed. And so, real quickly, we said this, poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. And so, out of all of that, we, poverty and sickness is a result of spiritual death. If you have any of that working in you, you're going to have the other working in you as well. And so I'm, I'm going to have to finish this another time, but the Bible says, if you want to look over in um, Deuteronomy chapter 28 sometime, we see all the curses of the law and the blessings. Blessings if you obey, curses if you rebel. So who wants blessings? Then what do you do? You obey. If you want to curse, what do you do? You rebel. You disobey. God, good. Devil, bad. Healing, good. Sickness, bad. Death, bad. Sorry, I'm going to switch up there. Healing, good. <laughs> so what does this mean for me? That means that anything that's of poverty, I've been redeemed from it. Well, you know, I just believe. When you, when you hear those words from people, beware, okay? Well, I just believe. Well, I believe. That means don't even concern yourself with what the Bible says, because my belief is stronger than that. Because I just believe that, and so people do that all the time. Well, I just believe that the Lord is using this sickness to teach me a lesson. Meanwhile, for 12 years, they haven't learned anything. Well, I just believe that, that God put this on me to make me more humble. And it's still mean as a junkyard dog. I, I believe that God put this on me to, to, to have me just be more dependent upon him. Who's ever heard that kind of? Yeah. Well, the Lord knew that, that I couldn't handle it, so he, he broke me down, put me on my back, and he knew that. Why be so hard-headed? Why be so rebellious? Yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> so say this, I've been redeemed, I've been redeemed. From, poverty. from poverty. What does that mean? That means that when poverty, lack comes in my life, it's not a blessing in disguise. Do you know that a curse never ceases to be a curse? People don't think like this except in church. They don't think like this outside, but then they get church and they get goofy in their minds. But 
If it's a curse, it never turns magically into a blessing. I mean, it's just like we said, um, defeat, condemnation, guilt, losing your job, all these different things that people say, well, maybe it's just a blessing in disguise. God's just using it, and, and he's going to get more glory out of himself. Now, no doubt that people have great testimonies, but don't kid yourself that it was the will of God that they went through all that hell so now they can have a good testimony. You can have a good testimony in, by this. I never did that. The keeping power. I mean, that's what our pastor said. He said, Lord, maybe I have to go out and do stuff because I never, I don't have that testimony. I didn't kill my mother-in-law. I didn't kill this person. You know, I didn't kill my, uh, my brother. And he said, well, what about this? I kept you. And I, I prevented you from doing those things. And I, I, my power kept you all this time as you served me. So I've, that means I've been redeemed from poverty. I never have to allow it. Sickness. Say this. I've been redeemed. From sickness. And sometimes people say, well, you know, I would never say that. Well, you won't be bothered with it either. But it starts in your mouth. How do you change the rudder? I mean, how do you change the ship? The way it turns. By your words. So even if you've been going the wrong way, begin to speak words of faith. See, people, the Bible says God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. See, people think they can mock God by saying that these things don't work. Well, you know, Mark eleven twenty three 23 doesn't work. Well, it just worked for them right there. Because they said it, it, things never happen good for me. And I just don't believe that, that, well, it just came to pass in your own life. The Bible says, what, so thing, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. Well, what's verse 23 say? Mark 11. What thing, it says, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he thinks. Whatsoever he saith. So if you want to change the direction of your life, start changing your words. Start changing the, your mouth. Start changing the, the direction you're going by what you're saying. And people always say, well, you know, it just... Here's the thing. You, to speak the Word of God and have the things of God manifest in your life, you have to have not only faith, but also... What's that other word? Faith and Patience. What does patience mean? It means endurance. It's not just passively waiting. Well, I'm just waiting on God. You know, I'm just, you know, I've been waiting on God for 12 years to show me what to do. No, you haven't. Brother Hagin said he told the Lord that, Lord, I've been waiting on you for 10 years. He said, no, you haven't. He said, I've been waiting on you for 10 years. Now, what are you going to do about it? He said, well, I believe I will. He said, he said, the time's coming where you're going to have to or else. He said, I believe I will. He said, I've, been, I've encountered some of God's else's. So 
I decided, hey, I better do what God's called me to do. Wow. Amen. There's, there's things in our life that who's ever put things off that you, you know the Lord's dealt with you. But there comes a time it's either you do it yeah. or, or you have to deal with the, the consequences of it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Just lift your hands. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today that we have been redeemed. Lord, that your word supersedes any other thing. Lord, even when the enemy tries to put things on our lives, I thank you that we, according to your word, have been bought back. You paid a tremendous price, Lord. Lord, and through the the price of the blood, Lord, that we have been set free. We have been delivered. We have been changed and transformed. Thank you, Lord, that I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm redeemed from sickness and disease. I I forbid it to be in my body. I curse it at the roots in Jesus' name. I don't care what what it's called or what the name is. The name of Jesus is above every other name. Lord, I thank you that I am healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I thank you resurrection life flows in my body. I thank you I've been redeemed from sickness and disease. I thank you, Lord, that I've been redeemed from poverty. I thank you, Lord, that we are blessed coming in, blessed going out. We're the head and not the tail. We're above only and not beneath. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we just tap into that resurrection life right now. Lord, we just ask you. We, we thank you for a quickening in our mortal bodies right now. Lord, that we would go strong. Lord, I am strong. Lord, even as Joel said... Let the weak say, not pray, not think about it, but let the weak say, I am strong. Hallelujah. We say it, Lord, that we are strong. We are strong. We are strong. We are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We are strong in the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, as you're doing that, you're a you are building your spirit up, but you're also exercising your spirit by confession. How do you grow physically? What you what? Eat and exercise. Same thing spiritually. You know, last week we took communion, and it's important that we do that. It says that we do show forth the Lord's death till he come. But I want you to listen to this. <clears throat> The Bible says here, because here's what's happening. A lot of people were coming to church and they were getting drunk. This is the Bible, 1 Corinthians 11. And uh, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone takes before others his own supper. One is hungry and another is drunk. And Paul says, what, don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or are, you, or are you despising the church of God? And you shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? He says, I praise you not. Then he goes on to talk about how he received of the Lord the same night he was betrayed and took bread. But notice what the Bible says. And I was just thinking about this in being redeemed from the curse. Things do not happen automatically. How many know that things in life just don't happen automatically? Especially spiritually. Well, the Lord's got it. 
Well, the Lord, yeah, if you committed it to him. Well, listen to this. He says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. It's not saying that you're unworthy. It's just the manner that you take it. You shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Or other translations say this, they die prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. You know, you know it's funny? You ever seen somebody wear a t-shirt or something and it says, only God can judge me? Well, you better hope that you judge yourself. You don't want God to, well, you know, I want God, only, only God to judge me. No, you want to judge yourself. Because the Bible says if God judges, we'll be chastened. And let me tell you, you'd rather have your own judgment than God's chastening. Because he'll spank your britches good. Out of love. But even my pastor said this. He said, I'd rather have 12 grown men take me out and give me a horse whipping than, than have God's um, judging. Now, he doesn't judge with sickness. He doesn't judge with disease and poverty and breaking your leg and things like that. But how does he chasten us? With his word. And that's why it's so wonderful. The Bible says, judge yourself. But see, it's the same thing with these things. Redeemed from the curse of the law. We had to discern these things from the Bible. What does discern mean? It means to see. To see it. We had to, to see the truth that I've been redeemed from sickness and disease. I had to redeem, I had to discern the fact that that I don't have to be poor and live in poverty. Why? Because if I don't, then that death is going to live in my life. I have to discern that. Amen? Hallelujah.